Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of Get Right To It with your boy, Chris Stevens. Hopefully, you all are ready to attack the week or just get through it. That's the important thing. These days, we are just trying to get through each day with our sanity, well, what's left of our sanity, and our physical health intact. And that's the challenge, man. That is the challenge. Like, last week was a short week for me for work, but it was action-packed right up until 5 o'clock. And maybe a little after, actually, because when you are working in a field where it is contingent on making phone calls, getting phone calls, sharing information with people across the country, there is a lot of stress that goes with that. And that is something that I did not account for when I first um, accepted the promotion at my job. But when I consider where I was before I took this job, you know what I'm saying, with different parts of life, just feeling unfulfilled as far as like environment being able to do this, being able to do that, just having the resources, the comfort. I'm just going to learn to deal with it, okay? <laughs> I mean, and that's not saying that I, you know, I'm starting to not like my job because I like my job very much. I enjoy the people I work with. I enjoy when, you know, things go right and I try not to stress when things go wrong because that's hard for me. But overall, it was just a very busy week last week and this week is a full week, so I don't expect it to be any less busy. So, very much looking forward to another weekend of relaxation before college homecoming. Delaware State homecoming is October 29th. I'm very much looking forward to going back down there, hopefully running into some folks that I haven't seen in some years, people that don't remember me in the current state, people that remember the old Chris will probably see the new Chris and just be like, wow, where'd he come from? Or at least that's, you know, the general gist of what I'm thinking, but could be wrong. You never know. But very much looking forward to going back to Delaware State for homecoming. And that sound you heard in the beginning, that beat, Got to shout out my guy, Brian Smith, a.k.a. Free. Heard it on his mixtape. I said, yo, I've got to have that to get right to it. He said, cool. And one thing that I enjoy about Twitter and social media in general is so many of us have things that we are trying to promote, so many things that can use a good plug. And we got to look out for each other, man, because marketing in this world, it's expensive. We are our own best marketing and promotion teams out here. So, when I heard that beat, I said, yo, I got to have that beat because it's a new show. And with a new show, you need a new beat. You need a new introduction song. And the beat that I put together on GarageBand last year, about a year or so ago, is off. I really wanted to be better at making beats and music production and all of that. That was one of the things that I was going to take up during the pandemic. Maybe I'm just not a music person. Maybe I just need better teaching because I was trying to teach myself. So maybe if there's anybody out there who knows about playing piano, drums, guitar, that, you know, does lessons, hit me up, man. ChrisStevensWrites at gmail.com. C-H-R-I-S-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-W-R-I-T-E-S at gmail.com. Let me know, because I definitely want to learn how to do some shit, you know, with music production. But my beat that I've been using for the last year or so, it was okay. But when I heard the beat that I'm using from Free, um, which is called Happy Folks, I said, this is what I want the podcast to sound like. This is what I want the intro to be. I want people to be like, okay, this is a vibe. We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to talk. And that's pretty much what that beat is. So thanks to Free for that. Got a packed show for y'all as usual. Be talking about different things going on in the world, like this week in Rap Beef, the uh, recent Georgia Senate debate, and a lot more. It's just a packed show that... I'm looking forward to giving to you guys, you know, just my thoughts on different things in the world in general. So why waste any time, man? Let's get right to it. All right, man. This is the most pivotal election in our lifetimes. How many times have we heard that? But 
after the Georgia Senate debate this past week, I mean, it's like crucial. Like, I mean, I mean, it was already it was always crucial this midterm with every House seat and a few Senate seats up for grabs. And it's dangerous out here. Like, I really shudder to think what happens if Republicans are really are back in charge of everything. Right now, the Democrats are just trying to, you know, hold things together as much as they can while they can. So to hear Herschel Walker and his applesauce-brained reasoning try to go up against an intelligent, accomplished, and decent person in Reverend Raphael Warnick, who, of course, won a Georgia seat in the runoffs in 2020, is madness. And for Republicans to say, yo, we know this dude can't put a coherent thought together. We know that he abused his wife and his girlfriends. We know he's paid for several abortions. And for them to just sit there and say, yo, we ready to just go ahead and punt this country to whoever is going to be the highest bidder when it all falls apart, just because, you know, we hate black people is crazy. And I know you're saying Herschel Walker is black, but once again, as I said last week about Kanye, all skin folk ain't kin folk, man. They are not. Like, listening to that dude, like, I didn't watch the debate. You know, I just couldn't do it in good conscience, but saw the highlights, watched it on Twitter, basically, because Twitter gives you a good play-by-play of just about everything, and just thinking about how this dude was told not to have props, and when Senator Warnick said that he was a fake cop, this dude pulled out a fake badge, like anybody else, that would finish him. Never forget, Howard Dean lost his chance to be president of the United States because he was too excited, and he yelled at a pep rally. I've been to pep rallies all the time, many over the years. People yell at pep rallies. It cost a man the chance of the presidency of the United States. So why wouldn't a fake cop pulling out a fake badge cost him a Senate seat? That's the world we live in, man. And it is a scary fucking place. I ain't even gonna lie to you. I re- it's so strange because we all agree that the world is in bad shape. The United States, of course, is in terrible, terrible shape. But so many of us have things going right in our lives that it just feels weird and it feels, I don't know, like ominous in some respects. Like when I tell you that I wake up in the morning and walk around my place and know that it's just me and that I can eat what I want. You know, I don't have to hide food. I can walk around butt naked if I choose to. Sorry for the visual. And just having everything go right from a professional standpoint Things are kind of looking up from a personal standpoint, but just watching the world burn, it's tough. And it's all related because when these, if these people get back in charge, I really hope they don't. I'm trying to power a manifestation and speak into existence that the Democrats are going to be successful this November, and I really hope they are. The big thing is how many white women are actually going to do right by this country? Are they going to disavow the white privilege of their men and admit that they fucked up when they voted in Trump and tried to vote him in again. And then they all started crying when the justices that Trump put on the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. It's not funny at all, but it's scary to think that certain folks don't believe fat meat is greasy. Or as the saying goes today, people don't believe that you can fuck around and find out. Because let's be real. President Obama said this in 2016. That was his farewell speech, pretty much. Everything is on the ballot. And he wasn't lying. Everything was on the ballot. Black people and people of color in general have lost so much in the last six years, five or six years, that you would think that white people 
would be content with just that. But no, they want full-on fascism. They want full-on dictatorship. They don't give a fuck about anybody but themselves or their own power. And that sucks for the rest of us. As I said last week, white people have a bloodthirst. And more often than not, it is our blood that is shed. It is our blood they are drinking. It is our blood they are sapping. And they just don't care, man. They just do not care. Like, what in good conscience would lead you to believe that a man that played football before any sort of concussion protocol was in place would be fit to represent a state in a Senate seat? Think about that for a second. Can you imagine those hearings? Well, we have to do something about global warming and climate change. You know, it's already 15 degrees hotter in 2022 than it was in 2021. Senator Walker, what are your thoughts? Finland! That's basically what it's going to be if he wins. I hope he doesn't. I really hope and pray he doesn't. This is just going to be tough times if they turn the Senate and the House back over to the Republicans. I don't know what in the world is going to happen to us at this point. But hopefully we don't have to worry about that. I mean, I mean, yeah, we're worried about it, but hopefully folks understand that this is serious business. Like, I, you know, know somebody who is stumping actively for Herschel Walker, and it's kind of confusing, you know, because as a black man, it don't matter what your socioeconomic status is. They come for all of us. Straight, male, gay, bisexual, woman, trans, black, Latino, Asian, indigenous. They don't care. White people just care about power. And Actively trying to give them back that power is mind-boggling to me. That really just, you know, it's frustrating. And it's irritating to think that people can't see the forest for the trees. Like, people like Killer Mike. Like, that dude, like, he, he never got over his feelings being hurt when people saw through him for the whole bank black foolishness and him taking away from the social justice folks that were actually out there on the ground. So he went full on black male Republican now. Like he's palling around with Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, who is uh, running again against Stacey Abrams. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Black men, we a fucking embarrassment right now. You can get mad. You can talk shit about me. You can say that I'm wrong. You can do whatever you want. But this is my podcast. And I'm telling you the truth. We are a fucking embarrassment right now. Not just from a dating standpoint like I could talk about the dating stuff all day long but I want to do it with a guest hopefully someone of the lady persuasion and perspective who can come on and help understand why black men are really just screwing up right now but yeah we are a fucking embarrassment every time you turn around it's somebody blaming black women for the state of the world like people are blaming black women for Kanye's mess like Somebody said, when do we start questioning Don the West parenting? Oh, you mean the woman who was a high-level college professor, a social justice activist, the woman who drove with her son from Chicago to Newark, New Jersey, where he could be closer to New York studios so he could get his beats to artists, the woman who raised him, the woman who did her very best when his father abandoned him, that Don the West? Some of y'all are jokes, flat out, and it's embarrassing. And now to see dudes openly campaigning for black Republicans and Republicans in general, it's embarrassing. 
you can't sit here and say that whatever butt hurt feelings you have about women and the entitlement that you share with white men is more important than the better good of the world. If you feel like that, you're a fucked up individual. I'm sorry. Like, I don't like to cuss as much. Even though this is a podcast where I've always said I'm going to cut free, I'm going to be loose, I'm going to be me, I'm going to be myself, I'm going to talk about everything I want to talk about. I try not to cuss that much because for so long, I was in a profession where you couldn't breathe. That's the one thing I did not like about sports journalism or journalism in general is that we were so buttoned up all the time. I'll still have to tell you a story about a dude who has a you know, has his little important position in journalism who told me that I was never going to amount to nothing and that I need to take my ball and go home because I was an embarrassment to our journalism crew or whatever. Maybe one day. Maybe one day when I'm really fresh out of fucks to give because that'll be a fun story. But anyway, that being said, black men are embarrassed. He's another one. Sorry, just had to get it out of my chest. But yeah, black men are embarrassment right now. Point blank, period. Seeing people go up for Herschel Walker. Seeing people go up for Brian Kemp. Seeing people talk about how Biden hasn't done a damn thing, how Kamala Harris is the worst thing to happen to black women in the forever, how black women are to blame for all the problems that we face. Y'all know better, man. Y'all are full of shit. Y'all are butt hurt. Y'all are miserable. Y'all are pathetic. And you're putting all of us in danger. That is my main takeaway from the whole Herschel Walker thing is that so many of us are willing to just throw our own people under the bus just for perceived power. We're never going to be on the same level of corruption and power and overall brutishness as white men. They had the game perfected. They perfected game when they came over here some 600 plus years ago. They mastered the game then and they've had it on lock for a very long time. Nobody's going to outdo the cruelty. Nobody's going to outdo the absolute need for power, the ruthlessness of white men. It just ain't happening. You can try. You can try, but you're just going to look stupid. Because they're going to do the same thing to you. You can pal around with white people, all you white men all you want. But at the same time, just know that they will dump you when they don't need you. And if Herschel Walker loses, they're going to do the same thing to him. So y'all are fools, man. Y'all really look foolish right now. Y'all are embarrassing black people in general. Like those of us with common sense, those of us black men with common sense, it's hard out here. Because y'all will make us look like fucking idiots. And again... You can get mad, you can say what you want about me, you can come at my neck, but you can't say I'm wrong. And when you look deep down, because you're still butthurt about things that happened to you, that this woman didn't do what you want, that this woman put you on child support, this woman got on your nerves, whatever, get some help. That's all I got to say, man. Get some fucking help, because y'all are an embarrassment. And if y'all are really willing to just throw everything that black people work for away just to have some feelings of revenge, then you really have missed the plot. And it might be too late for y'all to even come back once things turn around. Welcome to WRAP Radio, and it is time for our weekly segment this week in Rap Beef. Here's our correspondent, Chris Stevens. Thank you. Welcome to This Week in Rap Beef. And this week, in one corner, we have Lotto. In the other corner, we have the most diabolical rapper who leads the most diabolical, dangerous, crazy, unhinged, immature, insane, ridiculous stand group of them all. We don't even need to say her name because we don't want that group attacking this particular podcast and this particular group. Yeah, more craziness from the world of rap. Of course, this time it's coming from the women. Well, the women have been at each other's throats for a minute. 
But finally, it came to pass this week that the linchpin for all of this is, of course, the leader of that stand group that I mentioned. The one that's named after a, uh, a doll. It's so crazy that we've reached a point in society where you have to tiptoe around people's fan groups because they are so ridiculously out of their minds over somebody. Here's something that I ask on Twitter and I'm going to ask out loud. For people who stand people, like who literally search for anyone criticizing them or critiquing them on social media to attack this person, dox this person, just absolutely be an idiot. What is the person you're standing for done for your life? Please help me understand. Like, did they, t- did they, did they give you money? Did they put you up in a house? Did they get you a job? Did they put you in rehab? Did they stop you from jumping off of a bridge or some shit? Like, please help me understand. Show your work. Show us your work. Please make us understand why y'all are so willing to humiliate, insult, and degrade others for the dignity and fight for the honor of somebody who does not even care about you like that. Like, people who stand people, like people who are absolute ridiculous fans for people like that, something ain't right. I'm sorry. And especially with this group. The dog group. Something ain't right. Something in the milk ain't clean. It just ain't. The actual nuts and bolts of this comes from Lotto, who doesn't have a fan group that necessarily needs code words or anything. Anyone who's listened to this podcast can generally understand because it's been the talk of the town for the last three or four days or so. But Lotto shared conversations with this person that proved that this person literally is not about female empowerment. They're not about women in rap in general. They're only about themselves. And people who defend her are just absolutely nuts. Like, why would you defend somebody who openly admits that, yeah, my husband is a sexual offender, but y'all didn't care about that when y'all was asking me for features and all of that. And it's like, uh, that makes you look even worse. That you know that you chose to shack up and make a family with a dude who y'all got to turn out the lights on Halloween. Like, y'all can't even trick or treat. Like, y'all can't even hand out candy to the kids. I'm just saying. The leader and her group are the worst fan base of all time. I have no problem saying it. And the Beehive was on that trajectory for a minute until Beyonce said, okay, cool it. Like, Beyonce finally said, we can be a strong group, but we need to be a strong group that actually helps people, not a strong group that actually hurts people. Because the Beehive absolutely killed Carrie Hilson's career after that Turn Me Off remix. Make no mistake about it. They attacked her so bad that this woman actually believes that 5G is the cause of COVID. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, they messed her up in the head so doggone bad. It's ridiculous, but they've kind of cooled off. I mean, they're still very active. Don't get me wrong. But it's more or less from a, you know, where it should be. Like, okay, we stand this person and we just absolutely love their ability. It's not, it's, it's become less of, let's go attack this person. But that's the difference between Beyonce and the person that we're mentioning, because the person that we're mentioning has just totally been overrated as far as their rap skills go, as far as their ability to put together great songs and great bars and memorable verses go. Like, can you name a singular verse from the leader of the doll group? Not counting Monster? I, I mean, I'm waiting. I mean, time's ticking. Let me know. Because it ain't out there. And people have made the point several times, and I'll echo that point that you can't call yourself the top person in the game or top person at what you do 
when you're the only person doing it. There has to be competition. Like Jay-Z can honestly say that for the longest time he was the GOAT because he went up against, and he was in an era where it was Nas, Eminem, Nelly, Ludacris. We're talking from a sales standpoint, obviously. I mean, no one's going to say that Nelly is in the same ballpark lyrically as Jay-Z. You could make the argument for Ludacris, though, prior to Balloons. See, even her mess is on Ludacris's career. You know what I'm saying? Overall, you can't claim to be the top dog when you're the only dog in the pack. It just doesn't work like that. And now that there's competition, there's talent across the board. There's Cardi. There's Megan. There's Doja Cat. There's the City Girls. Why the City Girls are choosing to side with, well, one City Girl, rather, is choosing to side with the leader of the dog group is crazy to me. Because she's going to just drop you like she dropped everybody else. I mean, there's so much talent in the women's rap game, you know. There's Flo Millie, Young Baby Tate, Lotto, and Lotto can go. Like, when she's not doing stuff like sampling Mariah Carey, and granted, that was big for her career because that gave her a pop hit, but Lotto can flow a little bit. I was a little surprised when I went back and listened to some of her underground stuff when she was Miss Mulatto. I was like, okay, she ain't bad. So, there's talent in the women's rap game now. And I wish these young girls would realize they don't have to kiss the leader of the dog group's butt, just to get on. Because you can create your own career if you're talented enough. I mean, look at Cardi. I mean, for crying out loud, Cardi was on Love and Hip Hop, you know, putting Peter Guns under pressure for being a jerk, was putting out mixtapes, and then next thing you know, Bodak Yellow explodes out the atmosphere, and she is one of the biggest artists in the world right now. Speaks for itself. You don't have to really link yourself or attach yourself to anyone's coattails. You can just go out and put in the work, and people will notice. People notice with Cardi, people notice with Megan. I just really want these young rap girls to understand that y'all don't have to be beholden to anybody's foolishness. You can create your own lane. You can have your own career. You can be big. You can sell out tours. You can make money. You can put out memorable projects. You don't need this person's toxic foolishness to be great. That's what I want these girls to understand. And this person is a toxic idiot. Make no mistake about it. And people who follow this person are just as bad. Because at this point, you are ready to admit that, okay, she has poor decision-making skills. She's a bully. She's a mean girl. She's a, she's selfish. She's hogging every spotlight she can for herself. And when they really sit down and admit to themselves, they'll just admit that she's not as good as they claim she is. Because she's put out the same album five, six times. The same song 30, 40, 50 times. There's no development. There's no growth. There's the same. She's rapping about the same shit she was rapping about in 2008 and 2009. And here we are getting ready to go into 2023. She's the Chris Brown of hip hop. Period. There's no getting around it. You can deny the truth all you want, but it's the truth. She does the same stuff. Chris Brown has made the same song. Since 2009, the leader of the dog group has made the same rap song since 2009. The facts are the facts. You can get mad at me, but you can't get mad at the facts. It's that simple, man. And the cult of personality thing and people building cults, it's scary because people really start to believe the shit that these people push on them. Like, you can't convince me that anyone else 
who would be married to someone who is a sex offender and someone you've pretty much proven to be in cahoots with to try to intimidate victims and witnesses and all of that is worth defending. You can't convince me of that. There's no way. You couldn't tell me that if, for example, shoot, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If Hov had been named in the Me Too stuff, you can't say that people would just keep defending Beyonce being married to him. And you know that. But why are people so hyped up to go for somebody with mediocre rap skills, with mediocre songs, and who has proven just to be a horrible human being? Again, show your work. Please help me understand why this person is so important to your life that you're willing to embarrass yourself to defend them and they wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. It's weirdo behavior. Staying groups were always a level of obnoxious, but now they've just reached a level of dangerous and delusional. And those are two deadly combinations. Like, you can convince them. Like, it's okay to be, you know, foolish about somebody that you like. But when you start attacking people and doing different things to put stress on people. I'm trying, now, I'm trying to think. It's Kimberly Foster. Yeah. People were calling this woman's phone, you know, harassing her. And then they got scared and started, you know, talking about, oh, she's doing too much. Going to the police and pressing charges and filing lawsuits. No, the fuck she's not. That's stalker behavior. That's domestic terrorism. You people in the dog group are insane. Most of y'all, and I could see if most of y'all were still like kids waiting for your mama to, you know, get you dinner or making you cut off the Wi-Fi so you can go do your homework. But some of y'all are grown-ass people doing this. Now, like when y'all started off, y'all were just teeny boppers, but now y'all are adults. Your frontal lobe has formed, and you have still decided to be an idiot for a woman who is openly married to a sexual assaulter, has defended that sexual assaulter, and wants to keep the rap game all to herself. Y'all fools, man. This is the fool episode. That might be what I titled this thing. I don't know if I'm going to title it the fool episode, but that's the overlying theme here. You people are fools, and you're willing to be fools. Why? I don't know. It seems like it's something you want to be proud of. Good luck to you with that. Rest of us with common sense ain't trying to deal with it. And that's basically what this boils down to. The women in rap, the younger girls, they need to see that they are in charge of their own careers. They don't need a co-sign. They don't need a put on. They just need to go out there and work. And they do the work by and large. I mean, a lot of these girls can flow. A lot of them can rap. A lot of them have great songs, good songs. But if you keep saying that, yo, I got to show deference. I got to show homage. I got to pay homage to this person. You're cutting yourself off because once you stop giving that person so much of your lips on their butt is when they turn on you. Those are the facts. I mean, look at how the leader of the dog group has started calling Megan Thee Stallion Bigfoot. That's embarrassing. Like she didn't have you on Hot Girl Summer when she could have gone somewhere else with it. But that's, hey, when you are a miserable person, your misery loves company. And when you're hurt, you hurt people. And this is a hurt person realizing that their legacy is tarnished because it wasn't as good as they as they thought it was, number one. And number two, they're willing to just be a mean girl all the way to the end. Those are the facts, man. And that is my report on This Week in Rap Beef. Thank you, Chris Stevens. You are tuned in to WRAP for all of your rap beef needs. Till next time, spit those bars. I'm going to end this week's episode with a little thing called time and how it can get away from all of us. This week, Two people that figured into my childhood from a cultural standpoint passed away. Uh, Angela Lansbury, better known as Jessica Fletcher, to those of us of a certain generation from Murder, She Wrote, 
passed away at the age of 96. And just Saturday, Joyce Sims, you may not know her, but if you know 80s R&B, you've heard a Joyce Sims song or two or three. She passed away this weekend at the age of 63. And think about songs and TV shows that remind you of a certain time in your life. Murder, She Wrote was very much a part of my formative years because I used to be allowed to watch football when it was on CBS. And then when Pat Summerall said it was time for Murder, She Wrote after the game, I knew that was time for me to go ahead and go to bed because my mom would send us to bed super early so we'd get up in time and be ready for school. And I didn't get to watch Murder, She Wrote until I was like a teenager. Obviously, it was on its last legs then and then went into syndication. But when you think of people that live long, extraordinary lives, have different acts like Jessica Fletcher was just a part of Angela Lansbury's legacy. Of course, she was in bed knobs and broomsticks. She was she sang in the Beauty and the Beast. Like the woman was multi-talented by all measures. And 96 is a really long time to live. I mean, you never really are prepared when an older person passed away because my grandmother passed away at 84 in 2006. And I still feel like we have more time. I really do. I really do feel like we have more time, but we, you know. It just wasn't meant to be on this plane. And Joy Sims was only 63. So that is troubling from the aspect that black women die a lot earlier. Black people in general die a lot faster than our white counterparts. And Joy Sims, once again, part of that 80s dance movement that was her stuff sounded more hip hop than hip hop at some points. When you think of songs like All in All, Come Into My Life, and Lifetime Love, like Lifetime Love is one of those songs that literally will just grab you and hold you for a few minutes. And you're like, wow, I'm really grooving to this shit here. And it's like, what I have to offer is a lifetime love. Like, it's a jam. Like, I'm going to have to play that once I finish recording this particular podcast. But time is crazy because it makes you remember that we all are living on borrowed time, basically, you know. And that's been like the theme of the first three episodes of this podcast. And I really don't like to feel like morbid or dark or anything, but that's the tone of the world at this point. I mean, we all feel like we don't know what's going to happen with the election. We don't know what's going to happen with climate change, anything. Like we are all just looking like, you know, what's next or what the end will be. But I'm here to tell you, every day is a gift. We got to take up, we got to wake up and take advantage of it all. When we get up every day, Just try to do something that makes you feel good about yourself. Listen to something that makes you feel good on the radio or on your streaming service. Watch something that makes you feel good on your television or on your laptop. If you have the capability, if if you're able, just do something once a day to make you feel good about yourself or make you feel good about what you're watching or what you're doing. And that's really all, man. Because I think what bothers me the most about these two passing is just, once again, the cultural significance of it. Like... We are losing a lot of people who were part of our formative years and part of influencing certain culture, certain aesthetics, certain traditions, just everything. No one did more for the cozy mystery than Angela Lansbury as Jessica Fletcher on Murder, She Wrote. Like, Cabot Cove, Maine doesn't even exist. And ever since 1984, when Murder, She Wrote first debuted... There are a lot of Cabot Coves out there if you go read cozy mysteries like little made-up towns where, you know, the banker knows the baker, the baker knows the teacher, the teacher knows the sheriff, and the sheriff knows the nosy, widowed novelist, which is what Angela Lansbury's character was on Murder, She Wrote. 
from that is from that perspective, and of course, Joy Sims once again, as I mentioned, part of that mid '80s dance movement that really tore up the charts. Like her songs are what I call hidden grooves because a lot of those songs that you hear on certain mix shows from like older DJs, DJs that were around in the '80s and '90s that cut their teeth on playing those type of records, you'll hear them again. And if you're of a certain age, you're like, wow, I've not heard that in a minute. And if you're not of a certain age, if you're a younger person, you're like, wow, where was I at when this was out? You were probably not old enough to remember. That's what it boils down to. So for from a cultural standpoint and for culture's sake, we really got to be, we got to be diligent about giving people their flowers, giving people their love, seeking them out to get the stories that will eventually be lost to history if we don't, because one person passing that bothers me all to this day still is Kashif. He, uh, Produced Whitney Houston's first big hit, You Give Good Love. Produced a lot of hits for other people. Had his own dope albums. Died of a heart attack at 59 in his home in California on my 35th birthday, actually. And Kashif was a person that would have cleaned up on the old school podcast circuit. Like, it kills me that we did not get a Questlove Supreme with Kashif. Hearing Patrice Russian on a Questlove Supreme did my heart some good. I got to go back and find the Leon Silvers episode. I heard he had Leon Silvers on there. Leon Silvers was another dope producer from the 1980s. But we definitely have to be better at preserving parts of our culture so they don't get lost to history and they don't get washed away by white people. So let's be clear on that. Like when someone like Joyce Sims passed away, you may not know her face, you may not know her name, but your relatives of a certain age remember her music. They can tell you where they were when it was out. They can tell you where they were when it was popping. They can tell you where they were when those songs were, you know, events to them. And that's something that we really need to be mindful of moving forward. Just being cognizant of our culture, the history of it, preserving those stories, giving the folks that are a part of that history their flowers, having them tell their stories so we can keep these traditions going. It's very important. Very important. And... Those were that was just something I wanted to get off my chest. I mean, that's pretty much what this podcast is me just talking about everything that's on my mind from a cultural standpoint. And that's it, man. That's really all I got for this week. Next week, I'm hopeful to have a guest. I will leave you guys, I will keep you guys up to date on that. But thank y'all once again for listening to Get Right to It. Greatly appreciate y'all as always. Go to anchor.fm forward slash G E T W R I T E T O I T. Get right to it. Also, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Writes and Thangs, C-J-W-R-I-T-E-S, the letter N-T-H-A-N-G-S. We are also on Spotify. Search for Get Right To It there. And also, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, concerns, suggestions, just shoot me an email. Chris Stevens Writes, C-H-R-I-S-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-W-R-I-T-E-S at gmail.com. Thank you all once again for listening to Get Right To It. Till the next time we speak, y'all be good to each other, man. Peace.